Hey friends, this is KJ and Dom. Welcome to His Heritage Podcast, where we talk with church leaders about Jesus and what he's doing in their community. Today, we are blessed to have Pastor Clark Bazin of Difference Makers Church join us. We have a great conversation with him where we talk about such topics as humility, hunger, honor, and about his experience shepherding his congregation. Thank you for tuning in, and please be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram. And as always, we pray that the Lord blesses you abundantly. Okay, welcome to episode two of His Heritage. I can't believe we did it. Two episodes. We didn't do one and done, KJ. No, no, we didn't. <laughs> well, shocking to us, probably more shocking to you guys. Episode two, we have someone that's incredibly important to KJ and I today here. Um, and so we're going to be a little biased with my man here, Pastor Clark Bazin of Difference Makers Church in Damascus, Maryland. He's incredibly important to KJ and I, and he decided to grace us on a Saturday night. Come and he's got to. It's my pleasure. You got to preach tomorrow morning. It's late. What do you it's, think? It's it's late, and I'm just coming off of a huge weekend of raccoon hunting. We just we started last night, hunted all night in the fog and in the rain. Uh, did award ceremonies tonight, and uh, it's 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 been it's been a grueling. Uh, what are we working on? Thirty some hours, so. But man, I love both of you guys. I caught episode one, loved it. I think what what you guys are are the the plow you boys are putting your hand to is super important. And again, it's my privilege to be here with you tonight. Tired and scroungy <laughs> and 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 dirty as I am, it's good to be here. Oh man, I sent when uh when KJ sent the text today, or I sent the text today to you like about like still being on. I, I was like. He's got to be tired after after yeah, the other yeah, night, yeah. and I was just like, if he wants to call it off, he can call it off. You know, <laughs> yeah. no big deal, no big deal at all. Well, hey, so we're actually um, so we're a mobile podcast, KJ and I. Last episode, you probably heard us from uh, Dom's basement, uh, and now we're transitioning out of Dom's basement, and we're actually at Difference Makers Church today, uh, and we're sitting here in the sanctuary of Difference Makers Church, where KJ is the worship leader, Pastor Clark is the pastor the lead pastor here senior pastor senior pastor and then i am uh i, I go here uh oh man well these two guys uh are super important to me but specifically we're here to talk a lot about pastor clark and um and him and his uh here at the Wes this wesleyan church um and trying to understand a little bit about how he shepherds these people but kind of we want to know you. Um, and a lot yeah. of these people listening uh, probably don't know you like we know you, and you're probably going to tell us some things that we've never heard. But I'd like to, a little bit of your history, where you started out you at. Know, the, the funny thing about even the direction that this podcast is going and even the direction in episode two already tonight is, you know, just the whole, the whole you know, Wesleyan church and how this actually is the first Wesleyan church I have ever served in. This is actually the only church I've ever served in. 
Um, I was a stranger to the Wesleyan denomination when I first came in. So my whole life has been, not that I've been kind of skirting the Wesleyan denomination, yeah. but people would always ask me, so what kind of church is a Wesleyan church? Or, or it's kind of a smaller denomination. People, you know, I've coached wrestling in the community forever. And people would be like, what? You pastored Damascus Wrestling Church? I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. Wesleyan Church. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you know. And we 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 are still Damascus Wesleyan Church, but I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to kind of give us an AKA or a name change probably in oh five, oh seven, maybe. And I uh, just felt like the Lord was just, you know, you know, I want you to start calling it Difference Makers Church. You know, I want you to shift the name, and I want you to just start speaking that out over yourselves and over the people. And that really gave me as much of a a handle on, kind of indirectly gave me a handle on our yeah, Wesleyan roots, sure. maybe more than anything else. And that handle is this. The Wesleyan Church kind of split off of the mainline Methodist Church, from what I've heard, mm-hmm. back Civil War-ish tension times in the U.S., you know, the, there, there were a group that said, look, you know, this is a Methodist church. We really hold high in high regards the teachings of John Wesley. And Wesley would always just be ranting and, and, and going on about the church that does not affect the the culture that it's a part of or the society that it's a part of is not the church Mm. you know and and in regards to the slavery issue the methodist church was like yeah well you know and they just weren't doing anything so a bunch of those wild abolitionists were like we're out we're we're the real wesleyans because we're gonna do something so so difference makers church has kind of branded us with a um it's kind of commissioned us to uphold and run with that teaching and wherever we find ourselves, you know, to actually use that moment to make a difference, you know, and to affect the society that we're a part of. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, it is really good. That's good. Um, so, you know, you're, you're saying you didn't come to this church through sort of traditional means like you, you went to, a Wesleyan seminary, mm-hmm. and then so you f- got funneled through the pipeline into some place where they needed you to fill a spot. How did you end up uh, in in this place? What's a little bit of your? I just think for folks like we know we know a lot about you, but if you're listening and you don't know, how did you come to be a part of of this thing that's that's going on here? Great question, and I'm just gonna have to I'm gonna have to credit the Lord with all of it. You know, I just. I look around at y'all and and at the lives of of, of the, the team that God is building here, and I'm just so thankful that we are where we're at right now in the history of our lives, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, I could have never picked it. I could have never planned it. Uh, I, I 20 years ago, I didn't even know that, that this would be this important to us, you know, the theology of the Wesleyan <laughs> Church. You know, I would have never guessed it, you know? And it, I just kind of felt like I just— like many things in my life, I just feel like I've kind of accidentally bumped into them and I've been where I am, you know. Uh, great question about, you know, how did I get here? Uh, the direction of this podcast is, is is really cool. And as I listened to episode one, I thought, I have got so 
much experience in so many different, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, th- schools of thought yeah. yes. pertaining to the church. You know, first of all, I had a, a, a mom and dad who have been passionate for Jesus, who have loved the Lord my entire life. You know, they found Christ. Probably I hear that I was maybe two or three. I was really young. But they found Christ in the Jesus movement. This new movie, Jesus Revolution, is out. You know, that's a lot of their story. I mean, mom was raised in a Methodist home. Her father prayed, who I love, who's been a huge in my life. Uh, You know, uh, Dr. Sidney T. Davis with his Master of Divinity from Duke. You know, chaplain of West Virginia Wesleyan College, praying in the, you know, these and and omnipotent father and and just real reverent, super cool. She had come through that, but had really never had an experience with Jesus as a personal savior. My father, his family had really no church background, you know, and, uh, you know, they got together and, and, and did their best to try to make things work and it wasn't working, you know, they had two kids and they were about to get divorced. And, uh, you know, dad asked mom for a divorce and she asked dad if he would prayed about it. And he's like, that's kind of a dumb question, but I guess no. So he went and prayed about it, you know, and the Lord's like, look, you know, you want to know how great a husband you are, how great a father you are. And he just, it was just nothing. It was just blackness. And that was a real turning point you know, for my dad, you know, and, uh, you know, he found Christ, you know, in his bedroom after they'd been married for a couple years, you know, my mom was at a real low spot and, you know, she, she turned to a real bona fide relationship with Jesus. And, you know, that was, that was the Jesus movement. They got saved. They moved to some hippie commune in, in yeah. <laughs> upstate New York. I'm just joking, but I think there were a lot of hippies there. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and that community, that group of people who some real spiritual giants came out of that, that community was called Love In in New York State. Um, they just set the sail and got after it with Jesus, which then set a tone in my mom and dad's life to if Jesus might possibly be moving, we're going to get in on it and we're going to drag our kids to it, you know, and whether it was a Pentecostal church or a Methodist church or a Baptist church or a CMA church or, a, you know, they were, they, we were going to be there. You know, we went to this one place called the Hallelujah Barn, you know, and it was a barn and it was created yeah. for the glory of God. And they brought, you know, uh, you know, some of the, you know, big name dudes, but small town, West Virginia, I had no idea who they were anyway, regardless of how big their names were, but they really had an impact in my life, and it was across the broad spectrum of the church. Yeah. So, and it's cool that it's cool, even that, like, like the the how every one of these things is like you're saying you're accidentally stumbling into these things that mm-hmm. are that are that are actually like core aspects of of what our tradition is a part of without even knowing it. Like even you saying that your mom grew up in a, in a household that was, that was, you know, full of had parents that were devout and all that, but she didn't actually have that real encounter. I mean, even that idea that, that what is necessary for you to move into a spot where you're really following after Jesus, you need that encounter is a fundamentally Methodist idea. That's what it, that's, that's, 
you know, that was a that was a John Wesley. That was a huge part of, you know, his his way that he thought about the, you know, Christianity and, and how it's to be exercised. And so yeah. that's cool. What he, he said, like, I had like a strange warming in yeah, my heart. Yeah. Is that an Aldersgate? Yeah. 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 Was that with the Moravians? Was that Aldersgate? That was Aldersgate that he felt his heart strangely warmed. Yeah. yeah. But he was struck in his time with the Moravians. Yeah. By the fact that they were unrattled in the face of you know disaster on the high seas he's like all right there's a difference <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, they say he was they say he was throwing up his lunch and he was just rattled and he oh, just I looked at those Mar- imagine. just looked over at those moravians and they were just like ooh we're about to go home and he's just like okay check he's going to georgia yeah yeah stayed there for 2 years went on great back. awakening yep. you know i mean all in all it's 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 awesome yeah That's, so, no, no, no. Go ahead. Just real quick on 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 your mom. Like mm-hmm. I, I, like it just like strikes a chord in my own heart. Like I feel like your mom. You know, like yeah, like having like an upbringing where I have an amazing mother and father mm-hmm. uh, that love the Lord, uh, and they're they're Catholic. Uh, they love the Lord and and just like, you know, like even Bible scholars in their own right, um, and just never having my own like encounter or my own relationship with Jesus until you know 18 years old Mm -hmm. um and at that moment kind of it like opens up like your parents history for you like it and just like floods into you and you're like oh that's what that's what i was learning at in the catholic church and like it 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 comes through into here and and, like different aspects of it you're like yeah that oh now it tracks but when i was 16 you couldn't have told me anything more ridiculous but now like i'm like oh Oh gosh, that's affecting me now, and now I can actually digest it. Oh it, my gosh, yeah. Cage! That 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 little piece that he just said in the last minute and a half mm-hmm. really fills in a lot of blanks in my mind. You know, because Dom was, you know, I think he won like number one douchebag out of <laughs> Damascus High School back in '88. You know, or or, or I'm, I'm kidding. It was. Uh, yeah. But but Dom gets saved at a camp meeting, mm-hmm. and two weeks later is shipping off to Salisbury University, and I was like, you know, that's <laughs> never going to last, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it did, and almost your mom and dad's passion for God and the prayers they prayed and the devotion that they had presented you to the Lord— almost it was like you picked up the the momentum that was always there you got sucked into in those late summer moments of your senior year in high school and you've not slowed down you know and that's the and I've always been curious I've been like that should not have worked out like this he should have never made it more than three weeks no at a party school you know when he was party boy yeah for sure it's amazing yeah it's it's so and I think even like fast forwarding like that in my life, um, there's like a year uh, in my personal life uh, when I first, you know, started having that personal relationship with Jesus that I was like holding like other denominations, like in a spot in my heart where they were like, man, mm-hmm. I can't believe they're doing that or this. And I grew up in this denomination and it affected me in this way. And it re- and it almost like kept me from knowing Jesus because mm-hmm. I was there. And the second like I, as I was going through the sanctification process like God like revealed to like revealed to me just like very plainly and like not like a like a oh hello Dominic this is it but like in like just like my lifestyle he's like hey like change your mind about that um mm-hmm. I you just couldn't absorb it you didn't know me yeah and right. now you're at this spot 
where you can absorb it and it like procured this heart of my of mine and even kj's where we're like man there is things that people have been investing into mm. there's practices and there's traditions and mm -hmm. there's you know different denominations that have been chasing god and maybe a little bit of a different way than us but maybe we haven't been able to absorb it just yet because we're kind of maybe we don't know about it or you know we were in a bad spot in our own heart at the moment now there's like the tons of different things that we can talk about that may agree with may not but in that sense what i'm saying is there is uh, a tidal wave coming from that mm. if we can unify into it Ooh, yeah 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 i like that yeah so a little bit more a little bit more about like you come in so you're born into this yeah. movement your parents get saved in the in the jesus movement you mm -hmm. know now you're you're a young buck and you're like man all right jesus you know I'm, I'm guessing you gave your life to jesus at a young age or maybe you gave your life to jesus 17 times at a young age every every time i'd watch a billy graham crusade <laughs> I, just as i am i was getting up i was coming yeah <laughs> putting your it's ear good. to the radio mm -hmm. and so that leads you into a spot where you know you're in like your what are you in your 20s or something like that early eight, like 18 mm. when do you when do well, you get this calling um, over your life it's 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 a strange journey mm -hmm. you know because you know i think there are a couple things where we are at currently as difference makers church where the three of us are where we are as a family a church family is a is a pretty cool place and i think some of the qualities that i see you know in our lives that i'm grateful for because i think they're those qualities are part of why we are in this sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And I think one of those has been a, a, a real hunger. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw that in my life young. Mm -hmm. um, hunger is not a good feeling though. You know, mm -hmm. when you're hungry, you're not really satisfied. You're like, you're like, oh man, I want to, I, I don't want what I've got right now, which is an empty belly. You know, I want to eat, you know, and you're looking for something else, you know. So I think that has served us well. Um, and I saw that in my life young, you know, um, I had experienced God here and there and here and there. But I knew I needed God more, mm -hmm. you know, um, I had a relationship with the Lord, you know, um, but I didn't have a great church experience. I, 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 I don't think I ever had a pastor that I really could relate to, mm -hmm. but I had great parents. They were godly examples in my life. They weren't perfect, but they were godly examples of stability and they had a bona fide you know that could feel god in them you know just you know especially my dad you know he's quiet he's a hard-working guy he's a genius a brilliant craftsman mm -hmm. you know and you know i think that 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 where i thought i was going was i'm gonna be a christian man you know, and I'm going to walk this thing out as best I can, 
you know, I'm going to fall in by, I can, I can well remember being a little kid and we lived in New York state for a while. And, uh, we'd get those big snows in upstate New York and my dad's got these big old feet, you know, and I just remember <laughs> being a little kid, just jumping from one footprint in the deep snow <laughs> to the other one. And that was the only wow. way to make it through that snow. And that's awesome. You know, I think that, uh, you know, for, for, for my life and my simple plan was just stay in the tracks, you know, and, you know, we'll see where it goes, you know. So I, I say all that to say, though I'd had some really incredible experiences mm -hmm. with God, I was hungry for something that I didn't really even know what it was, you know, but, you know, I... I I don't know if that makes sense, but totally. <clears throat> and and are you and you're saying that 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 thing which you knew you you well you didn't know what you wanted, but you knew you needed something. Absolutely, you found that as you well as we follow down the story and you meet Pastor Jerry. And you come, is that what you're getting yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yep. In I this think, place, and <clears throat> I think that I think that that as I cite that attribute in all of our lives, I think that that we've already talked about that a little bit. We were. You were hungry for something, Dom, and boom, it clicked late in the summer of your exiting high school, your senior year. KJ, you know, your your testimony is is so impactful in my life, you know. Your younger brother Chase had had found Christ, you know, and 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 you were you, you were the hellion, you know, and they were praying for you, and you know, and and I was trying to join with Dom and John Hanley and all you know Chase and all your old buddies who were trying to get you saved, you know, and and you know you were you were you were resistant to it, but then all of a sudden, I remember. It was like a, a young adults kind of like leadership time we had. And I invited you to come speak for something. And it was just like a something happened, you know, a, 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 a switch was flipped and you started to step into a comfort level in God that was shocking to, I think, everybody, including myself. But it felt so natural for you. And I, I would submit that you were hungry for that, even though you didn't even realize, you know, that was part of your destiny and part of your makeup. And, and, you know, where I was going with, with, I was hungry for something. And I found that in pastor Jerry in a beautiful church structure. And we've learned a lot. Yes. But I think that hunger has created opportunities for us in each season, mm. like my mom and yeah, dad, yeah, boom, yeah, they're sure. hungry and something happens. And right. then, you know, this and something happens and that and something happens. And right. we arrive there because we're hungry and it makes sense. And we're like, oh, sweet, you know, but. Only you satisfied. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, come on, Tommy. That's KJ, I'm trying out. <clears throat> yeah, I'm trying to think about that and think about that that period of time where I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess there was, there was a, there was an unsettled part of me that just was, you know, and I think about it now and it's so hard because I was, I was like a agnostic fellow for my whole high school kind of time all the way into my first couple years of college and, and yeah, I think that it was, there was definitely a part of me that, that at... I guess there was a part of me that that really hoped that there was something more going on mm. than just what I what I 
perceived was happening in the world and that I was going to go and I was going to serve myself and hopefully have fun and do whatever. And then, and then I think that when I actually got a glimpse at Jesus, which I had, I, you can kind of get it a little bit when you talk to people and I saw my brother and, and he had changed a lot and he loved the Bible. He loved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He loved the Bible in a way that was weird. Like, yeah. why are you like, I would go and visit him. He was in college and I would go and visit him and I would, you know, I just set apart this time. He was, he, his school was like three and a half hours away and I'd drive these three and a half hours and I'd be there. I'd get there at, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. We'd hang out for like three hours and then seven o'clock or something. It was whatever in the evening. He would just like go and sit down and start reading the Bible. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I just, don't you know, I just have three and a half hours to hang out with you and you yeah, got, you got a just, date with a book. Yeah. Read. Yeah. But yeah, but he did. And, and so, you know, you see it in them and you see stuff start to change, but. It wasn't well for me. My first where I felt like I actually started to see to see Jesus was in was was in the Bible when I started reading the scriptures, is particularly the the gospels, and just seeing Jesus, I was like, oh my god! Well, tell tell the story about uh, in the skid loader, you know, pushing snow for endless hours. Yeah, well, that was uh, so. So I had about so that was winter. I don't know exactly what year it was. This was probably eight or nine years ago now. Where this is March right now. So this. This was in, I believe this was in January, and this was this was wild, wild times for me. I just failed out of college like f- six months ago um, just because I wasn't going to class. I was being, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't doing the right thing, and so I, I failed out of class. My, I was kind of not estranged from my parents to the point of actually not being able to live with them or whatever, but, but seriously damaged my relationship with my parents, which m- might sound weird now that I'm a... a th- almost a 30 year old but when you're 18 like that's that's who you got those are your people if you're you know what i'm saying so so i had that and then so there was a whole bunch of wild stuff going on and uh and so i was i was out and i'd been hanging out with pastor clark and chase and dom and all these guys who'd become christians and who'd been following jesus and uh, i'd been working for pastor clark and we would read the bible in the morning sometimes and and stuff so there was there were a whole bunch of influences where i had seen folks that were engaging with with the bible and with Jesus and uh, I'd been out pushing snow. It was 24 hours. I ended up pushing and I think I was probably about 16 in and you know, I'd, I'd run out of material. I'm like, I'd, I'd been, I'd listened through every Spotify playlist I had made up. I'm just like, Oh, and then, um, and then I don't know why I thought it came in my head. I said, I, I, I bet there's an audio Bible on this. <laughs> I think I listened to an audio Bible that was on Spotify. Wow. Which is a weird thing to do, but I think it's on there. I don't know. I could be mistaken about that. But so I went and I started listening to this and I started in in Matthew and I just listened. The whole the whole book goes. The whole gospel of Matthew, done. And then I go through uh Mark, done. And then I get into Luke. So I've I've been listening to straight You're getting Jesus. Marinated. I've been listening to Jesus for for you know, six or seven hours at this point. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, all right. And so I get to Luke. And uh, you know how it is when you're listening to the Bible. I don't know. This is why I struggle with listening to the Bible because you're kind of in and then you're out and you get in. You're like, oh, what was happening? Do I get what's going on? And if you're reading something that you kind of need some background, you're like, what the heck? But I was I was locked in. The sun must have come up or something because I was locked in by yeah, the time I got yeah. to about the seventh chapter of Luke. And so I, we're in Luke 7 and there's these stories and I hear some stories that I have no idea what they're talking about. Like the one with the with the centurion who's like, hey, can you can you heal my my servant? And Jesus is like, hey, yeah. You, or he's like, you know, I'm a man under authority. I'm like, what the heck was that story about? I don't know what's going on. Love that story now. It didn't make any sense to me then. But then the final story out of 
in Luke 7 is where Jesus accepts an invitation from a Pharisee. I think his name's Simon. And uh, he goes over to his house, and there's all these dudes, and they're, you know, they're sitting down to eat. And as Jesus goes in, uh, there's this, this woman that approaches him, you know, and she's described as a sinful woman. And, uh, and this sinful woman comes up and she starts, she starts weeping at Jesus' feet and, and she's, she's crying. And it says that he, you know, she, she, she was like relentlessly kissing his feet and she's crying and dropping these tears on his feet and then wiping them with her hair. And so, you know, G, the, the dudes that are all around are like, are like, dude, don't you know the kind of woman that is at your feet right now? And, and, uh, and Jesus is like, listen you guys you haven't you you haven't felt like you've needed to be forgiven well he doesn't say that he says you haven't been forgiven much but she's been forgiven a whole lot and the one who's been forgiven much loves much and uh and you know so and, and, he, and he basically says and i tell you that your sins are forgiven to this woman that's weeping at his feet and uh and so uh, all that to say i encountered this this man jesus who was moving towards someone who, what I love about it too is the story isn't, you know, the, 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 the story doesn't go, hey, don't you know the kind of woman he is? And Jesus goes in to start defending her and all of her stuff. He's, he's not making any bones about the type of woman she is. It's, it's, it's not that the type of woman she is is okay. It's that none of that matters. Mm. And I was the type of dude where I was at a spot where it didn't matter if someone were to come up and try and like gas me up and start saying, bro, you're really okay. It's fine. It's not that, it's not that big of a deal. I would have been able to see right through because I knew that it wasn't okay. Yeah. And to see Jesus in this story move toward this woman in a way that had just a heart that was so full, just like love and like, like I'm willing to cross all of that. And, and, uh, so I was like, oh my gosh, if I got any hope, if I've got oh, wow. any hope at all, it's, it's whoever this is. And yeah. so I don't think that was, that was in the winter uh, time. So that would have been in like December or January of, I guess it would have been 2000, 2014. Yeah. yeah, winter of 2000, like, like the January 2014. And then that a leadership conference that you were talking about was in May. So that was my first real encounter where I was... I wasn't necessarily convinced that I was going to devote my life to this person that I just read yeah. about, but if I could be con convinced that that the whole story was real, yeah, that he died for us and was raised for us, and that he was redeeming the world, and that he wanted to to pay for the you know what I had done, like I had gotten to a spot where if I could convince my if I could if I could be convinced that that was real, I would be delighted to live my life yeah. by that. Like I, re I remember hearing you say one time. You found yourself rooting for him. Yes. You found yourself hoping that this hoping was that this real. was real. That's exactly that's exactly how it felt. And then, yeah, but then and, and I, you were very private about that. Oh, I didn't let anyone know. Dom Dom came back from from college. Dom was at Salisbury University, and Dom comes back from from being there for a whole. He had been been away for a semester. It was your first weekend back because it was in May, right? And so it's Dom's first weekend back from that spring semester and he just like sees me there and he's like dude why are you here you know what we do here right you know the, the, what this event is about and so it was actually awesome to it's just a really cool side story that's that's about about us personally is that dom dom was my dom was like the 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 evangelist who was just gunning for me when i was in high school when i was a senior in high school and then through my first couple years of college he was just getting after me and getting after me and i was shutting him down I'm like dom you're stupid this is a waste of time <laughs> I love it that you find this fulfilling, but 
it's not for me. It's not for me. It's not for me. And then Dom ultimately got to be the one who came up to me and was like, hey, have you like, have you like in any way kind of formalized this? It seems like you, you're about ready to, to devote your life to the pursuit of Jesus. Um, but it doesn't, you know, have you, have you done that yet you know formally done that and i'm like no so dom got to be the guy to wow, kind of dom got to be the guy to 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 receive my uh my oath of allegiance to king jesus <laughs> wow isn't that wow, cool that is so cool after yeah so it's cool it's almost like it's almost like the lord's vindication of dom's behavior for, yes <laughs> for years which which we oh, always you know people would make fun of dom because the reward of your suffering <laughs> yeah and people would people would make fun of dom because he was so on the nose and just like borderline brash about it was just like he was so in your face people would be like bro these people don't want that but then it was cool that's that's the way that i've seen it it was kind of like the lord the the lord's vindication of your yeah. you know, your efforts wow that's so awesome sometimes like uh it was like right out and i remember that day is like actually right in the parking lot like yeah. i get I, like i get out of my truck and i see kj like i just i drove home straight from college to here and i got out of my truck and i saw kj that's like probably the last thing i was like expecting to see and I, I remember that moment. And um, and now, um, and so, similar story with my brother PJ, too. Um, and and um, and so, I, uh, I, I got saved uh, through the power of other people's testimony. And so, test, uh, and so KJ's a little, a little different in the sense that, like, he just spent hours in the skid loader with God one-on-one. Um, but in this, and when you say that, you mean you were brought to a spot where you were ready to submit yourself to Jesus and accept His grace by yes. hearing other people's testimonies. Correct, 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 correct. Like in the sense, like I'm like seeing God move in other people's life, and I'm saying, I think that's real. I hope that's real. You know, I, okay, right, you know what? I'm in. I'm sold. Um, and in seeing Caleb's life in my life, and seeing your life in my life, um, there is a moment in my life where. Gosh, he he loves Pastor Clark loves to call people into like leadership roles and leadership conferences with zero or like like just like you have no prerequisites. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that moment where um, you called me to be you know a, a leader at camp, and I was like, I, if you knew what I've been up to, man, you wouldn't yeah. want me. You wouldn't want me here. And yeah. then I get saved at that camp and dedicate my life to Christ. But so um, PJ, who's also on the worship team, he's my brother. Um, he plays the drums here and I sit right up there. Um, if you're, you're not here, so it's up in the balcony <laughs> front row. He's pointing. I am pointing. <sighs> Sorry about that. Um, and sometimes I'll catch myself just like listening to worship and seeing KJ leading worship and seeing my brother PJ playing drums who at one point in my life, I was like, God, uh, this, this is something I've been talking to you a lot about. Um, I, I hope like, am, am, is my hope being deferred? Like mm-hmm. it, what's going on? And every time, like I'm having those moments up there where I'm, you know, praying for different people in my life, or I'm praying for my wife and my family and these things. Mm-hmm. I look at KJ and I look at PJ and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm like go. crying. Yeah. Like I'm just like, all right, that that's your promise. Um, and so like you guys, you know, play such a huge role in my life uh, about that. Um, and so yeah, yeah, I get emotional thinking about that stuff. And I, and I you know, I'm glad I do. Uh, yeah. Gosh, man! I don't know how all this has to do with church history. I don't think so. Other than the fact that, you know, the history that we celebrate is ultimately our history. Mm. You know, and you know, we one of the things that in our vein of church history that that 
is lauded is authenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, an authentic, you know, we talk about Wesley having an authentic encounter with God. Yeah. We've talked about the Moravians having an authentic encounter with God. The things that we criticize, you know, just in our circle and things we're hard on are religious traditions or activities that don't have any personal impact that don't mean anything that they don't rattle you they don't move you on the inside so that's been one of the things i i don't know that it's a church history thing for everybody but it certainly has been for here been one of the criticisms of our ministry here at difference makers church is like hey don't you realize it's you know palm sunday aren't we gonna have like palms or something or you know hey it is christmas aren't you gonna like preach about you know, and again, nothing against any of that. You know, I, I remember, again, so being a bit of a spiritual mutt, you know, I I have been a stranger to a lot of things also. Like, uh, what is it like when the Catholics put the— Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. So yeah. I'm coaching wrestling in, in oh, Damascus. Gosh. Oh, gosh. And it's it's pitcher day. And I think it was Ryan Bausch who yeah. goes to church with us now. Yep. So 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 we got pitcher day, and, and one of my kids shows up for pitchers, and he's got this soot on his forehead. And I'm like, bro, what's, come on, man. You know, I'm, I lick my thumb, and I grab him by the back of the head, and I start rubbing this dirt off of his forehead. And I look over <laughs> his shoulder and see his mother just scowling at me. And she's like, what kind of man of God are you? You know, she doesn't say that, but I, I, I feel the scorn as I realize, oh, wait, this is something that is a tradition of the church that is supposed to be held in, you know, great honor and respect. And I'm sure that at some point it should be. Yeah. But the things that we've placed value on have been those things that, that have moved us, that have shifted things. You know, Part of our church experience here has been, again, back to that hunger, back to the preaching of Pastor Jerry Beal, back to, you know, uh, the Asbury Revival is a big thing in the news right now, and it praise God for what he's doing in Wilmore, Kentucky. We have grown up our entire lives in church hearing about Asbury and hearing about Wilmore, Kentucky already. Mm -hmm. Because when our pastor was there in 1972, God showed up in a chapel service and none of the lives of the people that were in that place were ever the same because they had encountered him in a personal way and it shifted absolutely everything about who they were. And we could feel that shift as we were with Pastor Jerry. He was the first pastor I ever had. You know, the first man of God that I could relate to. That, that as I mentioned about my biological father, Richard Baisden, you know, and I could envision following his big feet through the snow. Mm-hmm. I met Pastor Jerry, and he was the first one that I could imagine following through the snow as a preacher as a man of God. I mean, my undergraduate work had nothing to do with religion. I loved Jesus. You know, I read my Bible. I had a relationship with God. I was hungry for him. I tried to encounter him every time I could. But I went to a a liberal arts college, which at one point in its history was very, you know, very spiritual, but it had lost that, you know, 
to graduate from West Virginia Wesleyan College, you had to have three credit hours of religious studies. So I signed up for Intro to Old Testament. You know, how hard can that be? I sat in the class, and the professor stood up to uh, teach the class. And by the way, this professor was also a member of the Sunday morning Methodist church that I would sometimes attend, which was it was a very it was a very intellectual, really smart, you know, well-respected portion of our small town. And he started to teach the class and he said, "Okay, this is intro to Old Testament. We're going to look at the Old Testament through the historical analytical approach. I think that's what he said. And and basically kind of went on to say, you know, these are kind of uh, moral, allegorical stories, not necessarily literal or true, kind of like Aesop's fables. You know, there's a there's yeah. a there's a theme here that's going to help you be a better person if you follow the gist of what this story was. And I was like, what? You know, I mean, I, I, I'm hanging on that the flood really happened. I'm hanging on that God really parted the Red Sea. I'm hanging on that there was a burning bush and Moses had an encounter with God, you know, and I started freaking out because I knew that I would not be the one giving the grade at the end of this class. So promptly I dropped the class and my only religious studies were uh, history of religion in America. You know, I just skirted it and here I was, you know, in ministry you know, with Pastor Jerry, thinking that, that, wow, you know, it's possible for me to, part of my reluctance to take classes like that was this. Um, I had seen seminary ruin good Christian people. Hmm. You know, I'd seen people go off to seminary who had a fire for God and who had a genuine passion for Jesus. And I'd seen them come back and you know, and, and, and now all they talked about were theories and hypothetical things and stuff that just, again, it was somewhere outside of, of who they were. It didn't have anything to do with, with where that person really was living, and I had no appetite for it, and I was afraid to pursue ministry, even though I, I probably, if I was really hard-pressed, I probably had a call of God in my life, and I knew it. You know, even some of my unsaved buddies' parents were like, you're going to be a preacher one day. And I was like, oh, heck no. You know, no chance, you know. So, so you know, that that was, that was, th- there was a lot going on as I kind of, you you probably don't remember watching Star Wars, but they had the, uh, the Death Star had that tractor beam and, mm-hmm. and it would get you and it'd suck you in. You know, so as I got sucked into where I am right now, there was a lot going on, you know, and it's interesting. I find that uh, incredibly interesting um, in that portion you, you, you're bringing up about seminary and kind of like your, your not necessarily fear of it, but like your like perception of it where you've seen it happen to certain preachers or pastors where they go there and now they're starting to talk about things that are kind of in what we were talking about in the first episode in these the secondary uh, issues that are like more like we're getting really theological theological about like what we believe and what we do but we're kind of drifting a little bit away from how god's moving in the heart well, of god 
I had such I had such a beautiful relationship with Jesus that I didn't want anybody messing it up. Mm. You know, I would read like concordances and and you know, I would read, you know, the the you know what the theologians said that this scripture said and and you know nothing against any of that revelation nothing against any of that you know the the wisdom that's been downloaded through it but there was a sweetness to being able to read the bible and 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 read the smith wigglesworth used to say there's some folks that read the bible in in hebrew and there's some folks that read the bible in greek but i like to read the bible in the holy spirit you know and 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 that had been my experience of of just 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 reading the bible in the presence of jesus and having the holy spirit show me things that that man i hadn't even heard of or thought of that really impacted me and you know I, I guess I had a hunger for that bona fide, authentic relationship and encounter with Christ. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to protect it and I was afraid that I, I would lose it. So I kind of, I kind of downplayed my spirituality, you know, and I kind of ran from a calling of God a little bit. Um, when I, when I graduated high school, I had an opportunity to join an interdenominational children's ministry called a Creative Puppet Ministries out of Kildale Hills, North Carolina. I mean, I, I was in school young. I was one of those October babies, so I graduated high school as a 17-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, there I went, man, got on a Greyhound bus and rode to Norfolk, Virginia and got picked up by my guys, and, and I was on the road, you know, and we'd be in a Catholic church on a, a you know on a Sunday night and we'd lead a VBS for a few days and then we'd be in a Baptist church by Thursday and we'd do a youth camp you know for the weekend and we'd be all over the place you know and and again similar to my church upbringing again I'm seeing the way that a lot of this stuff is coming and and the traditions that are uh, valued by different pockets of Christianity and seeing bona fide people in every different school of thought, you know, and, and loving them and honoring them. And, you know, but again, it was, that was 1718. I I worked Damascus camp meeting as one of the stops with creative ministries. Mm. My old buddy, John Hobbs, who was good buddies with pastor Jerry was the evangelist and he loved rolling us in for youth ministry. So he's like, look, I'm the evangelist at this camp meeting. I want y'all to, to, to roll up here and take care of the youth ministry. We rolled up here. Um, you know, we were doing the youth ministry. The whole youth ministry was in what is now the girls' dorm over there. Mm-hmm. You know, so we were preaching these kids. And, and it was a wild place, man. It's a, it, you know, and, and there was one really hot girl counselor that was you know that was running the show before we got there and uh and and that was that was christy who is my wife and you know i met her that week and while we were here there was this groundskeeper you know drove old rusty cj5 jeep you know no top 
shaved head that was back before shaved heads were cool (laughs) you know you know we'd be you know the counselors and the kids would all be in the dining hall eating and he'd walk in the door and everybody straightened up you know and cleaned up their tables and did what they did and I you know I I liked the guy you know he was pretty cool you know we had a little bit of a relationship and talked and stuff and you know, we'd been four or five days in ministry, and Sunday morning comes, and 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 he shows up, and you know he's he's got a suit on and a tie on, he looks good. I, I look at him, I said, man, you sure do clean up for Sunday morning, you know? And he says, well, I ought to. I'm the preacher. I'm like, what? <laughs> See, and it was it was something different about him. He was a real man. He was the kind of guy that I had lived my life with. You know, but he was also clergy. He was also full-time ministry, you know, and, and, and there was something about him that, remember us talking about hunger. See, that, you know, it's, it's, it's like even now, we're sometimes hungry for something we don't know what it is. You know, we'll go and we'll open the refrigerator door and we'll stand there and be like, hmm. <laughs> you know, what is it, you know, and... One of our favorite movies, Christy and I, and I think a lot of times with this this church is 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 the movie Hook. You know, yeah. Robin Williams plays Peter Pan, also Peter Banning, the grown up version of Peter Pan. And there's one scene in that movie where where Tinkerbell enters the world of grown up Peter Pan, who's Peter Banning, and he's convinced he's somebody else, but she knows who he is. You know, she knocks him down, and she's like, no, 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 no. I know who you are. You've got the smell of one who's ridden the back of the wind. You've got the smell of one who's seen a thousand endless summers. You know, and we get around people who have, who have had a bona fide experience with God, you know, that's been a deep experience with God, and their, their DNA has shifted. The smell of who they are has shifted. And that's how it was with Pastor Jerry. You know, I'd, I'd be sitting in the passenger seat of his truck and just be wanting to cry and not even really knowing why and being like, am I losing my mind? What's going on here? But there was, you know, the, the scripture says deep calls to deep, you know, and you can feel that in our lives. And, and I felt that in his life. And that was really the gateway for me to kind of resign myself to a call of God, you know, to step into ministry. But again, in my mind, I'm the black sheep. In my mind, I'm unprepared for this. In my mind, I'm going to keep a low profile. I'm going to keep my mouth shut, you know, I'm going to look for Jesus, you know, and I'm not going to waste a lot of time with guys that want to talk about religion rather than Jesus. You know, so that was my entry into ministry here, which was all the way back in like 92, 93, 94. Mm. It's... Yeah, when like we're going way back. I know we're going way back. (laughs) When we um, so I think a really cool part of that where you're talking about, um, and so Pastor Clark came here. Um, so he came here during camp meetings. Uh, and there was an evangelist that was doing the preaching. What was his name? Do you remember? John Hobbs. John Hobbs. Mm -hmm. You said that. John Hobbs was the preacher during these uh during these camp meetings. And so something unique that the Wesleyan Church does, um, and it's kind of something that they promote, and Wesleyan churches kind of do it. Some do, some don't. But they typically have two camp meetings a year, right? They'd have the holiness. Yeah, holiness. Is that what it is? Come on, Come tell on, me about break this. Break it down. Well, it's a holiness movement thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's not unique to the Wesleyan. Um, 
it's not unique to the Wesleyan and or. Okay, hold on. When we say Wesleyan broadly, as yeah, we're talking a, Armenian, Nazarene, exactly. Wesleyan, yeah, camp all meeting. of our, all of all of the people who the way that I, the language that I think that I've been using that I think is actually helpful is to talk about the different groups of Christians that have existed throughout times in terms of streams. That's mm-hmm. kind of the language mm-hmm. I've been using. Mm-hmm. And there's like because you could look down the Reformed stream, and then that branches out into all these different yeah. little things. And so I think that when we look at at uh, if we're talking about Wesley as a stream, which I think a, the Methodist stream would maybe be a better, yeah. t- that whole thing, that's where the, the camp meeting world lives mm-hmm. in, lives in that. Does that yeah. go back to the circuit riders or? It goes, well, it's, it is the, the heyday of the like camp meeting thing was from the mid to late 19th century all the way until, so, I mean, obviously it, it continues on in some communities now today, but most of them ended around the sometime between the 60s and the 80s okay mm-hmm. so i think i do think there's still uh certain streams that practice it with two meetings and they have instead of the pastor do the meeting the camp meeting um they have a um they have an evangelist do the meeting and the heart behind it uh, is kind of and this is a wild comparison is kind of uh like almost towards confessional uh confession with the catholic church and so what people that's a, that's a bridge he's building so it, it is um this idea of like like you made it to the camp meeting everyone goes to the camp meeting you went to the camp meeting you cleaned up you repented mm-hmm. you turned back to uh, god okay. right and so all right and hey, then hey, you john 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 the baptist it must have been camp meetings when the people would go out to the wilderness it was time a time of refreshing yeah time of refreshing and so then like you come into the catholic church so their kind of time of refreshing and yeah, repenting and turning sure. back okay. to god is confession okay. And so, like, that's kind of the it's same is, is a wild uh, comparison. Well, yeah, because we all recognize we have the need for these core things. Yeah. And so, like, it, it's interesting, like, when you, like, boil it down to what the heart of it is. Mm-hmm. Because, like, us, like, sitting here right now, we're like, I have to go. Like, if we're, like, thinking about being Catholic and practicing confession, mm-hmm. we'd be like, I have to go and, and, and sit in a confessional. And, mm. and, and, and and they get a lot of, you know, they get a lot of grief for that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got, I, I confess my sins to the Lord. I don't need a man. Yeah. You know, but come on, break this down. Yeah. And so, I like this. And so, like, they get a lot of grief from that, from, like, from us, from other folks, whoever it is, right? From other denominations and but the heart of it is i, I want to repent i want to turn back to god i want to pursue Scriptural. him and we practice a similar thing but it's it, you know maybe it doesn't look the same come on confess that heart, your sins one to another yeah mm-hmm. pray for each other that you may be healed yeah, yeah. and so then and then like just like in revival revival come you know on. is led by repentance mm. Right. His kindness leads to repentance and we're and we're dealing with that in revival. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, heck, what's, what's to say that revival can't pour out of Come a on. confessional booth? Come um, on, bro. Qualities that we appreciate. Hunger. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that. Humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, not worrying. KJ, your story about, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, I get around christians particularly young christians and they'll be telling me a bible story and 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 uh, you know you, you'll know who they think they are in the bible story you know <laughs> they're always picking like oh yeah i'm, I'm like david you know or yeah. i'm like moses you the know? cool guy yeah the cool guy you know but but you're you're picking the prostitute mm-hmm. who doesn't even deserve to be in the same room as jesus <laughs> oh, you know yeah. Yeah. and 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 that is a quality Ooh. that we value mm. here 
And I think it has served us well, you know, because, you know, even as you're, you're saying, that's a, that's a wild bridge you just built between confession and camp meeting, but it possesses that, that core value of humility and desperation to the point where, you know what, go ahead and think I'm weird or go ahead and yeah. think poorly of me for my darkness, but I've got to find God. Yeah. And I think that it's, mm. it's, we, we, we love that. And like, like taking that spot in the story, imagining yourself in that story because you know, or maybe now I, I didn't think it at the time, but, but we know now that that's the spot where the mercy falls and mm. that's the spot where the grace is poured out. And that's the spot where, I mean, in, in that's the, that's the ultimate spot where the, the, you know, like the, uh, the, I don't want to say, I don't want to use super religiously words. Use them. I was going to say that. we hate super religiously <laughs> well, things. Well, Use because, them. yeah, it, but that's the spot where the exaltation is. You know, that's the place Ooh. where you can actually be lifted that up. That is a religiously word. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> I what don't I was, think so. That's out of left field. That's awesome word. But that's, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole pattern of, that's the whole pattern of the kingdom is humble yourself and you will be exalted. Preach. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. And if you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. Preach. And so if you're, if you... If you find yourself being super excited about moments where you get to be, you know, exert power over people mm -hmm. or moments where you get to do whatever. And that's like, oh, yeah, I love it. Be skeptical of yourself. Yeah. You got a problem. Yeah. 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 I hope this isn't a rabbit trail. And if if I'm off, just redirect me. Here. Right. But we stumble upon an age old dilemma as we talk about this, which is. So what should I do? Keep on sinning that grace could abound all the more? Now, one of the things about stay hungry mm -hmm. and one of the things about stay humble is this. My level of hunger as a ninth grader in high school served me well because I started to cultivate a friendship with Jesus. That's where I first started learning how to play harmonica. You know, mm. you know, I started playing as the deer panteth for the war. I mean, just doing my best to try to, you know, and and at that point of hunger, there was a level of humility that, that I reckoned with my life and was like, Jesus doesn't seem like there's a lot of people that want to hang out with me, probably for good reason. However, I've heard that you you know, are the friend of the loser and the lonely. So, so, so boom, I've got a moment there. Should I stay there? Yeah. No. So grace will abound all the more. Right. No, I, it's okay for me to be promoted and to move up. Mm -hmm. But when I move up, I'm still going to need, I'm still going to, if I'm smart, I'm still going to stay hungry and I'm going to realize another level of humility that I can ask and invite God into to heal, to fix, to deliver, you know, and that's the awesome thing about, you know, Jesus is, you know, the Bible says he will take us from in a, in a triumphant procession from glory to glory. And just like you said, our glory to glory is that, you know, what was the word exaltation, which comes from the humiliation which yeah. comes from the, you know, and we see it in the Apostle Paul's life. Mm -hmm. mm. We marvel at it. We love it. And we want it. Mm. And, and the, and 
it's even like it's like you said the 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 promotion even gives new opportunity for humility mm-hmm. in a in a fresh way and even like the like the like the ultimate the ultimate uh example of humility being jesus like in that like in the uh i don't know if it's paul who writes it but they say you know where they say that 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 like jesus who himself was god didn't consider equality Mm. with god something to be grasped but humbled himself to the position of what it was like that's the ultimate example of the ultimate exalted one humbling himself to the lowest place to you know then then yeah rise again and and uh yeah we're not and that's I think you see the best movements jump out of churches, jump out of local denominations, whoever it is, when hunger and being humble and then just mix with a little bit of desperation in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you see these movements. I think that's when you see Asbury revivals, you know, where, you know, there is no superstar leading the show. There is no whoever it may be just, you know, exalting himself. And then also there is that humbleness of where or that humility where they're repenting and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then that desperation of God, like we, we, we just want you here. Mm-hmm. And so you see that movement pour out of, you know, just Asbury right that right now. And then in 1972, and then even in our own personal lives for that personal, you know, you have that corporate blessing and that corporate hunger that we want as a church body. But then in that per in your personal life, in that secret place, when you're seeking God with that heart of humility mm. and hunger and just, I'm, I'm desperate. And, I remember sitting in the, and so this is, um, you being my pastor, mm-hmm. um, and shepherding me through my life. Um, I remember sitting in the dump truck with you and, uh, pastor Clark, uh, also is a, is a, is a tree man. Uh, he owns a tree company. That, was it arborist or is that how you say it? I'm oh. a licensed arborist. Arborist. <laughs> yes. So KJ also might be a licensed. Five, nine, five. KJ might also be one of those. I'm I don't not. know. They're I'm not. They're, you know, I'm a greenhorn, as they like to say. No, no. Anyways, for the brief time I worked with him, I remember, you know, being 18, 19 years old, riding in the truck with him. And just like having all these questions. I'm like, man, I, I, get, I get to sit next to my pastor for a car ride. What a, what a. What a privilege. Um, I bet you, like, this doesn't happen to anyone. And, uh, and I'm just asking all these questions, and, and I'm just like, hey, man, like, like what's your biggest tip? <laughs> I don't know. Like, whatever. I don't know. A, a typical 19-year-old me question. Um, and out of that, and it, it's changed my life for my whole entire life, and I've probably told you this a million times, but um, is, Dom, I, I, I need a Savior just as much as I did yesterday as I do today. Mm. And... In, in me walking through my life where every morning just humbling myself to the like god i, I need you more today mm-hmm. i like it things you know th- your favor's been poured out over me in a lot of different ways throughout my life and someone from the outside may be like dom's got it going dom has this you know figured out whatever it is but in that spot of starting just my day just being like god like i have nothing figured out without you mm-hmm. and i need you I need you as much as I did yesterday. Lord, I, I need you to be my savior today. Um, and so in that spot of you shepherding this church mm. um, with that heart of humility uh, has been impactful in my life. And so as you continue to shepherd others in this church, how does how does it look for you personally to shepherd a, a church where there's so many different people with so many different beliefs that come from so many different backgrounds. And cause this is a church where 
there's folks that were Catholics, Baptists, Calvinists, you, you name it, re- reform folks. Uh, sorry, drug James, addicts, drug addicts, gang bangers, agnostics, random street folk that didn't know what they thought. Exactly, folks been out of church for 15 years. Yeah, and didn't even want to be there when they were there 15 years ago. Mm, yeah, and we do. We all bring in. We bring. We bring things in with us. Yeah. We come front loaded with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, some of us maybe less than others. Maybe mm, having a background in good. one has yeah. more than the other. But I don't know. Mm, I think that mm, there's mm, a lot. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff. I'm realizing now. Even I'm not that I've been in this uh, super long, but I'm I'm nine years or so into into being a Christian, and I realized there were all kinds of things that I brought into this thing with me. But yeah, sorry, that's a distraction no, t- from no, the question. No, 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 no. It's it's, it's perfect. You know, church history. You know, and what works and why does it work? You know, we think about Wesley's uh, classes, you know, which are, and this is the word I'm going to say here, relationships. Mm. If you don't have relationships with people, you know, you're not going to grow because human nature is to think more highly of ourselves. And if we can, if we can paint ourselves in a good light, we don't need humility because we can fool people, you know, but when you're yeah. close enough to people that they ain't fooled, yeah. you got to deal with your, your, your lack, you know, and your need for a savior and what we prioritize, we prioritize relationships, you know, even, even as you guys talk about working with me and, um, just being together, living our lives together, you know, um, that's huge because if you spend enough time with people, you really see them, you know, when we'd have devotions, you know, in the morning and I'd be off, you know, and, and apart from God, you know, and just in a bad spot, you guys would know it. We might still read the Bible. We might still talk, but you're like, (laughs) (laughs) yes, what's going on, man? And, and, and I I know there've been times when we, we'd, we'd have a dry spell and, and our lack of God would reach an intolerable level. So we'd individually or corporately, even though it was only four or five or, or eight of us, we'd get to a place where we're like, man, we've got to we, we've got to have something authentic mm-hmm. because our theology or our discussions about Bible stuff, you know, church has been scarred by such shallow relationships. You know, churches, and that was one of the reasons I really didn't want much to do with with, you know, I had a lot of experiences with Jesus but I hadn't had really very many healthy experiences with church people because they were too fragile. You know, they look at me and I look at them and I'm done with you. I don't need you. You know, your, your, your story and my story are different, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but when you get people that you're, you're dedicated to like you are with your family, you have the opportunity to grow, you know, this Mm. is a very important piece of the puzzle. This is a very important piece of the puzzle. And tomorrow morning when I'm preaching out of Job 28, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this now because I'm going to bring this up. The cool guy, Jerry Beal, and the hot counselor, Christy, are very connected because she is his daughter. Mm-hmm. So I marry the daughter of my pastor Mm -hmm. and I become his youth pastor and I serve under his leadership in the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, I'm a spiritual bastard. I mean, 
I'm wild. I've, I'm, I'm, I got a chip on my shoulder and I've got, you know, I, I, I've learned things improperly because I was raised in a spiritual wilderness and I figured it out and it worked and I was a survivor. So it was hard for me to learn and, 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 and my ego, which is similar to the ego in a lot of church people right now, would have driven me away from relationship if I wasn't tethered to the man by the bond of marriage mm-hmm. to his daughter. Mm-hmm. So because, you know, I am his son-in-law, I have got to belly up to lessons that I would not want to learn. Everything's cool and everything, and you love the church when you first visit the church, yeah. and the pastor, oh, he's a great preacher, and I go to this church because i got a great children's ministry, and, you know, we love this tradition because it suits us, and we have palm branches and stuff, and if it's all superficial tradition there's, and there's no relationship, you're never going to grow. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you bind yourself for life to people— you really see them and they really see you and humility is not so difficult hunger is not so difficult because there's an honesty you know and you have the great privilege of being able to grow together in god mm-hmm. you know good book i read years ago a good to great i can't remember who wrote it you've probably read it dom it's a business book but um you know, the, 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 there was a story that really stuck with me. They, they, they were questioning this Dallas businessman who'd built an empire. And they're, you know, they're like, wow, how did you do this, man? What you've been able to do here in Texas has, has been, it's been revolutionary. You're, you've got a business model that, that, that is just everybody's taking notes and they want to be you. What did you do? How did you do it? He says, well, the first thing I did is I found people who were go-getters. They were going to be successful in whatever field that they set foot into. They had a work ethic, and they were just, they were, they were winners. You know, I found those people, you know, and I gathered them all together. I gathered them here with me, and then we grew old together. Hmm. <laughs> and that was his business model, you know. You know, we, we, we throw loose terms around like the family of God, but we don't treat church like it's real family. You know, you know, we have a double standard of this is my biological family and we're really together, blood sticker and water. But you know, this is my church family and if they look at me sideways, I'm out. And if you can leave because you're too good to be there, you don't possess a level of humility or hunger that's going to enable you to really experience change in God. If you don't love men that you see, you don't love God that you don't see. Yeah. I, th- I think, uh, I think it's super important for some, for me to hear for everyone here, really. Uh, it's kind of like that gut check of like, maybe you're in that spot at your church right now where mm. you're kind of brushed up on something that you're like, well, he's telling our pastor's telling us to do this one thing. And you don't know how it's fitting with you or sitting with you uh, because you you have some of these preconceived thoughts in your mind. What do you, what do you think about that? Mm. Yeah, I think you need to just have a whole lot of mercy and have a whole lot of grace. You know, we love to, you know, Pastor Kirk preached a great sermon about pockets full of honor. You know, we love to to really get the most mileage that we can out of the promise of 
honor thy father and thy mother that all may go well with you and you may live a long life on the earth. You know, I think at our church, we've kind of taken that. I want everything to go well with me and I want to live a long life on this earth. So what do I got to do? You know, and we've shoved everybody that we can into that uh, into that position of father or mother. I have no problem honoring the Catholic Church. I mean, if you want to start talking bad about the Catholic Church, I'll start talking to you about the Franciscan monks, and I'll start talking to you about those dudes that were the first explorers and pioneers carrying the light of the gospel into the most remote places and living for Jesus. You want to talk bad about them? I'll start talking about the fact that there was nobody on the wall defending life and taking a stand to 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 say that you know abortion is killing babies and we've got to do something about it you know if i have the opportunity to bring honor to the baptists or the pentecostals or whatever move of god that has ever graced planet earth i'm going to gravitate towards honor you know honoring my father and my mother you know, and because of that, I'm going to have the opportunity for things to go well with me. And I think that in your personal lives, whether it's your your biological family or your church family, it will serve you better to be full of grace and forgiveness and mercy, love covering yeah. a multitude of sins, find a way to honor, find a way to cover, find a way for you to get into that blessing, leave your promotion to the Lord. Leave your stability and safety to the Lord, you know, and, and you just really focus on getting yourself in that place that's pleasing to God so that he can have jurisdiction over your next steps. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Mm, that's that's so the only good. way we're going to make it anywhere. Amen. That's so good. Mm. What, what do you mean by that, Cage? Well, I'm just thinking about, like, like, I don't know. I was even just thinking as you were talking about, about, like uh the just jesus jesus's response to the what's the most important command you know and he's like love lord your god quotes the quotes the shema from deuteronomy and says that's it hey second one or no does he say the second yeah he does he says the second is just like it love your neighbor as yourself and a lot of those issues that come up, like like you're talking about, that have the potential where you get those gut checks and you go the wrong way on them. I think a lot of times is is not only issues with whatever, but it's a failure at that level mm. where you're holding someone else to a standard that you would never be willing to hold yourself to. And the the Jesus ethic that he wants to that he wants us to do is that we would actually hold ourselves to extremely high standards. And I mean, obviously not to the point that we're that we're, you know, hoping that we can pay for the own evil that we've done or something like that, but not getting weird with it. But to hold yourself to an extremely high standard of conduct and to be out, like outlandishly gracious with everyone who's not you, because mm. you're the only one who you've got any hope of of, you know what I'm saying, steering the this this thing. So why are you going to? You know what I'm saying? Why are you going to concern yourself and 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 hold someone else to? So I don't know. That's something that I think I've seen mm. a lot of in these situations. Is it's it's um it's a failure at that level to love your neighbor as yourself. One of the, th the things I've had a problem with, you know, in in church, and I've, I've I've hungered to see it change, and I have seen it change in our local church context. Mm -hmm. There would seem like there would be a lot of 
desire for church unity and for the body of Christ to come together on the big scene, like promise keepers and fill RFK stadium with guys that are going to make a commitment to holiness or make a commitment to stand in for each other. But as soon as it got to a local level, it all fell apart. Yeah. The closer you get to ground zero, which is yourself, the more the true you manifests, you know, and the, uh, and the, the, the real you is present so much so that, that, that even in the most intimate of relationships for those that are married, husbands to wives, since we're all men here in this, uh, uh, broadcast booth, you know, um, the most intimate of relationships, you to your, your mom and your dad or your kids, so much scripture just deals with those tight, who are you? Where are you? Who are your people? How are you treating them? Yeah. You know, what standard are you holding them to? The Lord's just been blowing me away. I keep getting in, you know, we got all these young folks getting married and stuff. And I keep talking to them. And my counsel to them is so brutal. I just hate <laughs> to even open my mouth. I'm not a good marriage counselor, first of all. I'm famous for being a poor counselor, period, because I talk too much. And I don't listen. And counselors are supposed to listen, you know. So so, so I just tell people, like, look, I suck. Find somebody else. <laughs> Here's Kim Presapino's number. You yeah, know, I'm not yeah. going to be out any Kim. help to you. You know, but the counsel that has been just just and when they press me to open my mouth this is what comes out husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and laid himself down for her pastor you don't understand you know she's got to meet me here with this and i said just like you met jesus there with that come on you know because if she treated you as poorly as you've treated jesus you know and Jesus treated you like you're treating her, Jesus would have been gone a long time ago. Yeah. But how long do you expect me to just lay down my life, you know, if she's not gonna do this? I said, I said, if I were you, I'd just run an experiment. Just, just I'm not talking about 50-50, I'm just talking about you just make it your goal to make her happy. You know, just 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 die. Use this as an example. Use this as an opportunity for you to die for Christ, you know, and to give her the life that she's dreamt of, whatever it takes to just fulfill her needs and 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 you know bring her dreams to fruition and make her feel secure and safe. Just just try and make that happen. And let's, you know, if you die trying, you know, and, and she stabs you in your sleep, you know, you can you can blame it on Jesus, mm. you know, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, and when we start taking that and we'll work from ground zero out, you know, I think it's I think it's terrible hypocrisy for uh, church people to talk about loving God but their homes be a shambles. Come on. Yeah. You know, their marriage just being a sham, you know. Oh, I just I just really feel like God's calling us this holiness is much less spiritual looking. It's very practical looking. You know, when people start talking again, I my my church background, you know, I mean charismatic movement, you know, Jesus people, you know, falling 
full gospel businessmen's meetings, you know, all of it, you know, all the lingo of the charismatic movement. And I just, I, again, when, when, when that stuff starts spouting out, it's as bad as any weird theology on the other end of the spectrum. Because if there's not a wholeness in your practical obedience to Christ mm-hmm. and, and what that looks like to the people closest to you, there's not a wholeness. You can't build off of that. You can't build a church off of that. You can't build a ministry off of that. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of. A, I was trying to find this quote. That's why I had my my phone out, but I couldn't find it. But there was this. There one of the one of the. Uh, there's a whole letter in the Screw Tape Letters uh, by mm. C.S. Lewis that deals with you know because that one is basically about like two evil spirits communing about how to how to take this guy out. And one of the things that he says is, "Listen, what you need to do." is you need to allow him to continually increase his love for humanity while allowing his love for the human who's next to him to, mm. to dwindle. And if you can do that, you're going to win. He's going to be he's going to be cooked. He'll be a part of our kingdom. That is the kingdom of darkness in in no time. Wow. And that's one of the that's one of the express angles of attack that uh, you know, obviously Lewis must have seen that happening on his stage. Uh, so yeah, that was that was uh, I, it was exactly. I, it's so it's so funny that that's just something that you've observed in in real time. You see dudes filling stadiums, concerned about the fate of the world, worried about humanity, but then they get back home and they're you know so oh, that that's wild. It's um, <laughs> I mean like like uh, I'm sure most of everyone listening has heard of like an accountability group, um, and I, I know I'm going <laughs> wild here. I'm going wild here. So. Uh, the Methodist church kind of started with an accountability group. It was wild. So at Oxford, where Charles Wesley and John Wesley went to college together, uh, brothers, founders of the Methodist faith uh, denomination, and they uh, started this little like uh, like class um, where they would meet from 8 a.m. to like 9 a.m. the next day, like 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 all day long, and they committed to each other to fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, and they held each other accountable and were completely transparent with each other. Asking those questions. What sins have you committed? You know, what sins have you thought about committing? Yeah, just, like, wild stuff. But, oh. like, but like in that, like, yeah. they're, like, almost, what's the term for, like, folks that just, like, live in, like, ch- the church or live in a sanctuary? Not a monk, but a, it's, like, a, it starts with an M. Mm, that's all right. Um, but there's like a, like, like a, a monastery. Something. That's the place. Yeah. That's, that's the, place. the place. So like almost living that kind of lifestyle with each An other. Ascetic. Mm, I don't know. But that's anyways, like if you're in the desert, I think. Yeah. But the desert version of a monastery. It's a desert. It's a desert. <laughs> the monk. desert branch. It's, you know, it's real bad if it's you're out there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh my goodness. But so they're sitting there and so they called it like the, uh, the holiness meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, something it's holiness meetings. Yeah. And so it's st- that's where it started, and then they started creating the methods, these methods because they believed they could get sanctified and get closer to God. And so they created these methods, and, and then they kind of made fun of them by calling them Methodists. They, the these outsiders. Guys, the outsiders. Made fun of them, yeah. Yeah, and they said, these guys, look at these Methodists. Mm. And then John Wesley took it as a term of endearment, and he, was like, and he wrote a letter saying, us Methodists. Uh, and then out of that, the circuit riders were birthed. And that group sent people originally to, you know, like England and then Scotland and Ireland and then across the ocean Mm. to America in the Western expansion. But it was out of these groups where they were completely transparent with each other. 
and they were completely and like they made like commitments to not marry if they couldn't if they could help it uh and and they would only send out these single men and out of these people being with their closest people that knew him mm-hmm. the deepest mm. and where they were completely transparent with one of the greatest western expansions of the church in the history of humanity mm. was created and from 19 like from 1972 or not, not uh, 1792 or something like that to like 1850 the church grew from like 3000 people in America to 12 million or like mm. something crazy like that That's and wow. the circuit riders were just groups of you know couple people that were just closer than anyone mm. and they were good to the human they were with mm. and they go man. out all you know own. one of the themes of, of of difference makers church or damascus wesleyan church or what we've got going on here <laughs> um it's been it's been wild you know because a lot of what god has done in us has just gone and I'm not saying anything bad about the church growth movement or anything like that. It's just I know that I've sometimes done things to stymie church growth. Like if I was trying to grow the church, what I'm getting ready to say to this people is not going to be very good. You know, but I've time and time again, you know, people will come and they'll come to church and maybe they were a, a leader in another ministry, you know, and, and maybe they have got all this to offer and, and they, they come and they kind of give me their spiritual resume and they're like, you know, well, you know, we did this, we did that, you know, we're, you know, really, you know, you, you should be really happy we're here because we're going to, you know, we're going to really do great things. And, 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 and the song going over in the back of my mind is, is, uh, is the Guns N' Roses song, oh, Welcome to the Jungle, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and and I just know that they're going to enter a wilderness season mm. and everything that they've been trying to do for God is just going to get broke down. They're going to feel useless in the kingdom. They're going to feel ignored. They're going to feel like there's, you know, like, but if they gut it out, God's going to get down and dirty and deal with, you know, their relationship with him. Mm. And upon the, the, the solid matter, which is weighty and substantial of that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to come easy. It's going to come expensive. That matter is going to be, there's going to be weight added to that core by offense and by a willingness to forgive through relationships that they don't even want. Remember Pastor Jerry as my father-in-law and me as his bastard son-in-law wanting to run away, but, you know, I got to belly up and and now I've got to make a choice and, and if it's going to be honor, you know, in every intersection that, that, that I have. And, 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 and from the, you know, the Bible says Jesus in the book of Hebrews learned sonship through the things he suffered. Mm. Jesus prayed on the cross prayers like, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, Jesus is going to attack the shallow, egotistical, feel good about yourself because you're such a good guy jesus is going to attack 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 that and until we let him destroy that and and build himself in us 
we've got no hope. We've got no future. We've got nothing to build on because it's, you know, you know, the, the, the lost are looking for Jesus, mere Christianity. And when you've got a little bit of Jesus, but a lot of you, they see it hmm. and they're like, no, no, yeah. thank you. You know, you know, God is looking for, for just that, you know, he's looking for that. He's looking for that in us. And, you know, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, mm-hmm. you know, and when we're willing to walk with Jesus in the process of the jungle, baby, yeah. you're going to die. <laughs> you know, when we're willing yeah. to die to ourselves and we're willing to die for the sake of each other and we're willing to forgive and we're willing to believe you know, one of the reasons I, I promote you guys and put you in positions that you're not ready for, leadership positions, positions of favor, you know, is, is, is because, you know, you know, God's calling us to those places and he believes in us. And, you know, we got to be willing to let go of the best version of ourselves, you know, willing to let go of it as, as a loss, not let go of it because we already see the better version of ourselves, but be like, you know what? You got me, Jesus. Woe is unto me. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips, not dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And Jesus like, thank God you see that. Yeah. Let me take a coal from the altar. Let me purify you. And then let's keep moving forward. And he thought he was submitting himself to death. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, man. God's in the process of doing something beautiful in our time God help us to keep in stride with the Holy Spirit. A lot of people get crazy, man. They're like, keep in stride with the Holy Spirit, you know, because the Holy Spirit's moving it, you know, at, at, and we've got some great outreach ministries, you know. The Holy Spirit's moving in this, uh, you know, this, this, this preaching or this evangelism or this deliverance ministry or this, and I'm going to keep in stride with the Holy Spirit. You know, where the Holy Spirit's leading us a lot of times is, is that, that lonesome road, that narrow gate, that place that nobody wants to go because it's the place of, of death. It's the place of, you know, humility. Yeah. Mm. It's the place of in honor preferring one another. In honor preferring one another. And, and when, and when we do that appropriately, Mm. Like when we do that appropriately, it creates pathways for people behind you. Like you were talking about earlier, like where we can have those footsteps in the snow and someone behind you is able to walk in those footsteps. When you show the way of in honor, preferring one another, that creates that pathway behind you now, because as you're walking to Jesus, someone right behind you, they may not be able to see in front of you. Right. Mm. But they know that you're walking towards Jesus. And so when you can grab onto that, it's huge. I think, I think for us, we put a, a heavy weight on that here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that corporately, right. Being able to like, and I think we do a good job of that here too, but corporately being able to prefer one another mm. as, as, as the global body. Right. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And being yeah. able to be like, man, like I, I want a piece of that. Yeah. Um, you know, like, sh- like shout out to you guys. Like I want like what you're saying earlier, like every chance I get, yeah. I want to honor somebody, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. Every chance I get to keep that dishonor out of my mouth because it's not my place oh, and it's not going to do any good anyway, I'm going to do it. 
you know yeah you've checked me <laughs> me again i mean that's that that attitude which you've just expressed there i think is a big part of why we have the attitude that we do dom and i uh, toward toward these things about dude the the only you know the one of the things we talked about in the in the first episode was that whole idea of of building bridges over the nonsense into the core, which mm. is where Jesus is, you know? Mm. And that's something that, that I think you've led us really well in. And that was one of the questions we were going to get to. I don't know if we're really going to do it, but just about how to, how to lead, lead people from different, you know, the people that have different theological kind of schemes that they come at and whatever, and all these different things. And the, you know, the way that you've done it has almost been to, 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 just just <laughs> cut through it with a refusal to talk about anything but the things that actually matter. Yeah. And I think that's moved that's really moved us to not that we're not going to talk about them. Uh, and I and I and I even just regret using that phrase don't matter because I think that that's a little too light maybe but mm-hmm. but always always staying at the heart of things. That's that's been something but I don't know. Do you think we need to get into that question on a? I think I don't know that we need to. We kind of have been there. I think we kind of hit it, and I think people understand uh, that in this local church of Damascus Wesleyan, um, that the pastor's leadership in it is to keep that main thing the main thing, but also he's been able to shepherd folks that probably still sit in the same pews, butt to butt next to someone that disagree on some other topics about you know the faith but are able to humble that spot and like lead in a manner and shepherd the church in a manner where folks create a humility like a just like a even like a uh, like an essence of a human uh humility throughout the church where people are like i understand that you believe that i believe this let's keep running let's keep walking let's not jostle yeah and we have had examples of dudes who have totally been like that you know, who have come in with with kind of really different ideas and 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 have been willing to fall in and be like, no, but I see. Yeah, I see that that God is doing something here. And so I'm not going to prioritize my my mm. theological ideas. I'm going to prioritize honoring God in this moment that I see him doing something really cool. And I can I can see him in, and and all of those things. Yeah. Actually don't matter when when this is what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny though because there are so many, and it's I, not a fake. It's not a fake preferring one another. No, you know I think about like uh, like 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 Vic, mm-hmm. who yeah. who school of thought is is is, you know, but the way that you know he's not patronized in the ideas that he has. He's like from my heart. I'm just talking about me personally. Oh yeah, to him. sure, I'm sure. Like I love it. Please. Talk to me about this because because you've got, you know, the gifting that you've got in the kingdom is different than the gifting that I've got. And you are much more crisp regarding (laughs) what we're what we're dealing with here. You know, talk to me. Leadership in church and value in church are, you know, they, they don't. There's not more value placed on a leadership position and mm-hmm. less value placed on yeah. somebody that's not in a leadership yes. position. You know, the value doesn't, they're just different positions. Right. 
And right. when you are a, am I allowed to cuss on this? Uh, probably not. Uh, I won't cuss on it. You but can. If, if, if you are a team that, <laughs> that, that kicks butt, everybody knows their role and they got their foot on the gas mm. and they do what they do well and everybody knows it and everybody's pumped when it's their turn to, to, to do their due diligence mm-hmm. when it's time for them to do their duty as a unit yeah. you roll through stuff which is back to the prophecy from joel you were just talking about Dude. you know plunging th- they don't just win they plunge through the ranks the defenses of the enemy Dude. they don't jostle each other they're in rank and file it is crazy how like accidentally on point you are with (laughs) (laughs) with how this whole entire church started with the ministry to the layman of them being able to be ministers to people in public because that was a big disagreement in the uh in the anglican church john wesley was like i need my people to be able to preach to be able to go out and and minister and kick butt and I was it, just thinking about that and was wondering what the history of that was. Yeah, it's cool. Just spot on. It's wow. literally it's literally the heartbeat of uh, well, not the heartbeat, but it's the, one of the main things that was like causing a little bit of a separation between him and the Anglican Church. We wow. yeah, we are so thoroughly Wesleyan, even That's if we so don't funny. know it. We yeah. are. Just, even all even all the assumptions that are underpinning a lot of the things that we're ta- we've talked about are are very you know it's it's we it's it's almost like it's so much a part of who we are that it's just it's not even like it's 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 hard for us it's hard for us to it would be like us trying to evaluate the lenses on the glasses that we're looking through and that's how that's how wesleyan i think we are funny because we don't even we just speak in terms that are wesleyan without even trying to there's this uh Without even knowing it, actually. Without even knowing, <laughs> yeah. And then you start, and then you start doing some research, and you're like, "Oh, dang! Right. All right, well, yeah." <laughs> you're like, "Oh, that's me." But so, <laughs> back to like business stuff. There's this like old business adage called like the five levels of assimilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like the first level is, um, I heard what uh, I don't understand what you said. Also, I don't agree with it. The second level is, I understand what you said. I don't agree with it. The third level is. I understand what you said. I can get what you mean by it. Like, okay. Like, and like we're talking about ideas. And then the fourth level is like, I get what you said. I agree with what you said. I'm going to try and do what you said. And then the fifth level of assimilation is I don't remember. I, I think I came up with this idea myself. <laughs> um, and, wow. and I believe it. That's what's happening. And yeah. so that there's these five levels of assimilation. And so like the goal on an idea as you're like training like a sales team or you're training like like a church or you're yeah. training whoever it is and in leading them is that you want to get to the fifth one you want people's you want people to have this revelation in their life wow. that it almost feels like it's their own right <laughs> but really you're just, you're just tracking back to people that were stepping in the snow before you let's go yeah wow wow well I think we did a great job. Um, I'd love, uh, I'd love if you have any closing remarks, Pastor Clark, that you want to bring up or talk about KJ. No, I don't think I, I don't think I have anything. I think that's a perfect spot to I land things at. I do too. I think the Lord's led us nicely. Well, uh, I think we're going to start a tradition uh, where our guest always prays us out on the episode. Okay, cool. and uh, we'll get out of yeah. here.
Thank you, guys. Father, in the tradition of who we are, we don't want to do anything that doesn't matter. So we pray that these words would matter, that these words would reinforce what you're speaking to us, God, that these words would encourage the church. Father God, Lord, encourage, Lord, first of all, we pray for our own families. Lord God, our own church family, our own local church, which is important to us. Father, then we pray that, that these words would, would build and strengthen and uh, uh, speed forward the ability to accomplish the mission. You've sent our greater local church, the church in the DMV, Lord, and, and, and then, God, we pray for the rest of the body of Christ, that this, this time that we've spent thinking about you and, and being grateful for who you are and for how you've been speaking into our lives, God, we pray that these words would have their effect, God, and would help to uh, uh, propel your work and your kingdom coming on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.